With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need for validation and affirmation through biblical musings and unique stories from special guests. Discover relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, shame. Shame is something we've all faced, whether from something we've done or something that's been done to us. Yet when we think about being noticed, there are some things we just don't want to be noticed for. Listen in on today's episode, where I have a conversation with Kay Hall, author of the new book, Beyond the Hidden Veil of Shame. We discuss her journey of redemption, the healing process, and how important it is to take notice of those areas in our lives that lie hidden in shame. Well, today I'm honored to have Kay Hall here as my guest. Kay and I met through the Northwest Michigan Jesus Ministry Retreats in Traverse City and our mutual friend, Lisa Lemke. Shout out to Lisa Lemke. I know you're going to listen. (laughs) And Kay is a professional life coach, and she's completing her master's degree in Christian counseling. She is a public speaker, a certified chaplain through the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, and a business professional. Her heart to minister to the wounded and help them find victory in Jesus is her passion. And she's a brand new author of the book, Beyond the Hidden Veil of Shame, One Woman's Post-Abortion Journey to a Settled Heart. So Kay, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here. And I'm so glad you're here. Now, I know we're going to be talking about some tough things today. Yes, we are. But Mm -hmm. these things are something that really help us on our journey with, with God. And shame is a big one. So, Ken, we're going to dive right in there. Can we tell our listeners a little bit about your journey? Well, it started off, I'm from a very small little town in northern Michigan. And, of course, everybody knows everybody. I uh, went to a Catholic school. Finally got to a point and I said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And decided to go to a public school and got through my schooling and got to my senior year in high school and became pregnant. And... At that time, many years ago, abortion was not even a a considered public topic, although my doctor did suggest it at the time, and my parents and I said no. So I had a young daughter, um, gave her up for adoption, Um, and that was when I was 16 years old. Through my life, I decided that the only way that I could find anybody to love me was to just become real sexually active. And so I did. I partied and did all the things that you do when you feel that that's going to get you some attention and some love. Met a man and became pregnant, and he said no babies. And so at that point, because I did not want to leave, give up another child for adoption, and because I did not want to leave, This man who I had finally figured out how to find somebody to love me, I decided to have an abortion. Mm. And that part of my life became a black hole. And I decided I'm just going to leave it there and not pay any attention to it 
walk away from it and start my life as I wanted to. Ended up with a divorce from that man. But I kind of want to take things back and start maybe from where I'm at right now because it gives hope and it gives encouragement. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom of five. I'm a grandmother of 15. Mm. I have three great-grandchildren. I have had a life right now that is so settled and so peaceful. And I have an amazing husband who supports me through this whole journey. For 32 years, we've been married, and it's been Mm. uh, wonderful raising all the children together. So up until the point of going through a divorce from before, that period between then and 32 years ago when I really did meet the man of my life, um, and my soulmate and my my gift from God, there was quite a bit of healing time that needed to happen. And even since then, you know, I've been going through some different types of retreats and reading. And but I, what I did find is that until I stopped and allowed God to present Himself, that's even including up to all the things that I've done to this very day. He finally said, I need you. I need you out on the streets because there's so many women out there who need to hear my message and you've got to get it out there. So the book started to evolve Mm -hmm. at that point. So we talk about this healing process and I know our mutual friend Lisa Lemke always talked about it like an onion and that there's like these layers and layers and layers that come off and God has his own way of healing. So how did that, how did that healing manifest in your life? Well, I was working at our church in a capacity of a facilitator for a program called The Journey. And it does just that. It goes into layers and layers and layers. And for the longest time, shame was hung around my neck. Uh, It was my identity. I gave it. I gave my identity to shame, almost like a you know, here, here's some shame, Kate. Now give me your life. I, I bartered mm-hmm. for my life with mm-hmm. shame. It was horrible. And so as I was going through this journey process and dealing with the shame, I had someone say to me, Kate, if you knew today, back then, what you know today, if you knew that back then, would you have gone and had that abortion? Well, no, I wouldn't have, because back then I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't have a Bible to dig into. I didn't have any of it. So, of course, I was running my own life. But because I was able to deal, look at this shame and say, I would not do this at this point in my life, it said to me, then you're healed. You have moved past the shame. And so... From that point on, I I started in my mind, I'm moving on. Shame is not going to be who I am anymore. It's not my name anymore. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm so glad it's not your name. And, and you know, Brenny Brown, she's done a lot of research on shame. I'm sure you've heard of her. She's a celebrated shame expert. She defines shame in this way. The intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. 
So what parts of that definition can you relate to? Has that influenced this journey? The, the separation of shame and who I am are really, I think that's what she's speaking of, is that it isn't you. What you experienced, what you did in your lifetime does not define who you are. You're defined by your God, by Jesus, as a child of God. You're not defined Amen. by the by the actions that you've done. So anything that <clears throat> was connected to that, I was able to take that cloak off. I'm going to tell you just a real quick little story about healing with a pastor and a friend of mine. So we knew that uh, the abortion was still an issue in my heart. And this is even after I was starting to work off and get rid of the shame. So we knew that that was still a part of it. So we went to the Lord and prayed. We read scriptures, we prayed, we spent a lot of time focusing in on how can we move past this? Well, as I was sitting there, because I'm a visionary, I see in my heart of hearts what Jesus wants me to see. And there's another story I'll hope I can get to before we um, get off here. But this story, as I was sitting there and they were praying through scriptures and I was praying, I saw in my mom, who had passed away several years ago, and she was just glowing, just happy. You know, obviously there was that separation between heaven and me. You know, I'm not trying to say I went to heaven to see my mom. I'm saying that's the vision that Jesus gave me as a gift. And then I looked over and there's my dad and he's smiling and I'm realizing in my heart that I'm settled that they're both in heaven. Okay, that's what... That's the gift that I was being given. And then, all of a sudden, my mom reached down to a place where I could not see, and she picked up this beautiful, beautiful baby. And Jesus said, I want you to know, your baby's here with heaven, in heaven with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that broke, that broke, that seal that I had made, that vow that I had made, that contract that I had made with shame was broken at that point. What a beautiful picture. Mm. What a beautiful picture. Wow. And you know, that's the beautiful picture that God wants to give us, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. He doesn't mm -hmm. want us to stay in our shame. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know who's listening out there, but maybe you do have the shame of, of having an abortion. Or maybe you have the shame of, in my case, I was, I was sexually abused. It was something done to me. Not necessarily I'm done, but shame has two faces. It has what's been done to me and what I've done. And in each one of those, of course, on this podcast, we talk about mercy. And we talk mm. about how much God's mercy covers shame. So what's been your experience of how that, that you have this vision, but how did that live out? Do you now not see that you have to earn love? Tell me a little bit how that manifests in your life now. It is. It, it truly is because the vision has replaced the shame. So to me, that saying, well, my God has given me the love and the mercy and the grace and the redemption to replace that shame. When I was at a retreat quite a while ago, I asked God, I said, show me my life. Where do you see it, Lord? How do you see this me playing out, the story of Kay Hall playing out? And he gave me this vision of, a playground and in that playground there was no grass the fences were all broken down 
The toys were all rusted and destroyed. There was no sun. And I just, it took me back. I was like, Lord, that's a horrible life you're showing me. Mm. And it was. It was a dead life that I was living. So it took some time, and I kept going back to that and praying about it and saying, is there, what do I need to do? And I didn't need to do anything because he showed me the vision next of that playground again. And that playground way over in the distance was a figure who was wiping off the toys and cleaning them off mm-hmm. and gently putting them back together. And as that's happening, he's saying, Kate, I will mend your wounds. Watch what happens in your playground. And ever since that moment, every once in a while I go back to that and the grass is growing, the little feet of the children are running around, the... There's life. There's life. Yeah, there's life because the fence is being replaced, so I'm protected. You know, he's there mending my wounds Mm -hmm. and forgiveness. So that picture has, has really stayed with me because all I needed was for him to do that. I didn't need to do anything. That's right. That's right. That's what mercy does. Just covers and cleans. It mm-hmm. just does that. You know, it reminds me of a story that I had after I went through some of my healing. I actually went to the Bay in Traverse City, which you know very well. And all of a sudden I was sitting at, by, listening to the water. And all of a sudden I was noticing people around me. And they were breathing. And you're like, well, of course, Susan, they're breathing. Why wouldn't they breathe? But I noticed it. <laughs> I actually noticed them breathing, which was a sign of life. And then I mm-hmm. felt the wind. I felt like it was the first time I felt the wind. So mm-hmm. when you talk about that picture, it reminds me of that moment in my own healing where God said, there's life, sweetie. Yeah. We have life. You can mm-hmm. get beyond this veil of shame. You don't have to stay there. You can right. get beyond it. Obviously, you're encouraged mm-hmm. to tell the story. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, in the book that I'm writing, which is called A Firm Grasp, I have this chapter called Masterpiece. And God put this on my light. So you get everybody gets a free little tidbit for my new book. But the book is, as you know, it's, it's about masterpiece. And the reality is that we are a masterpiece. We, when we know that, and then people think, well, I can't be a masterpiece. I'm not you know, creative, I don't do, you know, I don't write music or, or draw or anything creative. But God says, no, hon, look, look at this differently. You're a piece of the master. Oh, amen and hallelujah. You are a piece of the master, folks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you're a piece of the master, you're designed to reflect him. You're designed mm-hmm. to go out and share the good news that God is a healer, that he can get us past that. So tell me how that evolved into a book for you. I know you're you, you obviously, you know, you're a life coach and you're working on your counseling degree. And so you obviously want to work with the people who are hurting. So how did this evolve into a book? I think the excitement of the healing, the excitement of knowing that that's possible. What I receive is possible for, I mean, it's not just possible. It is what it is. I mean, the Lord is there just waiting for, to gift with the healing. So when I thought about it, I thought, well, 
Abortion is not something that's talked about in the churches at all. Mm-mm. Uh, post-abortive women, the statistics are staggering. And I don't even go into statistics in my book because that's not what we need to know about. What we need to know about is the healing of the Lord in your life. And here's the interesting part of the book. I dragged it on for a long time. I <laughs> probably was working out of my own little soul and didn't want to you know, face the music. But I, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had to. So last winter, well, this winter, I guess, was in January, I took my manuscript out with me that was only a few chapters. I had the outline. I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And the Lord said, Kate, we've got four days. Sit down. We're going to write this book together. And there it was. It, it was the timing. It was exactly what I needed to do. And from that, the other cool part about it is, is that through the book, not only do I talk about a very small part of my story is in the book. More, This book is more for people to work through because I have questions in the book. I have prayer in the book. I have scriptures in the book. So it's a workbook book, if you will. But when I got to the end of it and I sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to turn it in. I looked at the topics, the chapters, and I went, God, you are amazing. More, there isn't a word I can put on what you've just done. Mm. But the whole plan of salvation is within the book. And I would have never thought to do that. I would have never thought. Because the topics are the acknowledgement, facing the shame, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, and redemption. How much how much closer can you get to the Lord with that? It's just amazing. It's about the gospel. It's always yeah. about the gospel, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, you know, you describe it as a journey or a process. So tell me a little bit about why it's important, like you mentioned these steps. We, the first one is acknowledgement. What do we have to acknowledge? What would you encourage people to acknowledge? You have to come face to face with the reality of what you did. You have to sit down and look at what you did and say, okay, I'm going to go back there. And the most important part of going through this journey is to take the Lord back there with you. Say, come on, you were there. Walk me through it. I'm, I'm talking about walking through the day of the abortion, what that was like, what you remember, what was it like afterwards? Because Truly, when you do that, when you're when you step foot into an abortion clinic, you are already to the next day. Your mind cannot comprehend what exactly what is happening. So you you're already past it. But you have to get to a point where you can go back there with the Lord and sit and ponder what happened. Okay, so what acknowledging, yeah, you gotta admit, really, admit that this actually yeah. happened. Because right. when you described earlier, Kay, you were describing that you put it like a little box, a little black hole, and you put it over in the corner. And yeah. you acted like this part of your life didn't exist and you just went moving on. But then right. at, as time went on, God said, uh-uh, hon. No, 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 no. We've got, we got some cleaning to do. We've got right. some healing to do. And right. so acknowledging is part of that. And then you talk about facing the shame. Give us yeah. a little tidbit about facing the shame. Well, in, in that it's, um, you know, it's, it's 
realizing that your identity is not the shame. Is I mean, the shame is there, but if you're realizing your identity is not the action that you took. That's separate. It's totally separate. It's uh, and that's a hard thing to do because we all we all tend to hang on to that and wear it like a cloak, not in honor, but, but in in shame. And don't you think we we almost do a character assassination on ourselves? Mm-hmm. And then we we go, I'm a loser, or right. I was stupid, or we identify ourselves as a character instead of what I did was stupid or what I did was wrong, instead exactly. of instead of who I am. It's not about who you are. It's a, yes, you did this, and you have to acknowledge that you did this, but it, it's a, it, that's part of the healing process is to separate the who from the what. Kind of like looking at a mason jar with jelly in it, you know, that you can separate them. Mm. You can walk, they, you, you can't, one doesn't bleed into the other, and that's how you can separate from that shame. And in in the book, I also give the I am statements throughout the entire mm. book. So they're they're hearing the I am statements all the way through yes. the book. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then after you acknowledge and you face the shame, there's this part of acceptance. Now, what does acceptance part of the process and mean? That's beginning of the journey. That's the beginning of saying, okay, I have, this happened in my life. I'm willing to let go of that shame. You have to be willing to let go of it because it's not going to walk away from you. I'm willing to let go of that shame. And now I'm going to accept the process of healing. I'm going to start accepting it as, okay, it's done. I've walked through the shame. And now I'm going to accept and how I put it in there is accepting is the past, separating the sin from your soul, opening your heart to receive God's grace. To receive. So at that point, the acceptance is, okay, mm-hmm. I accept you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said this actually on the last couple of podcasts, but frequent listeners, you're going to hear it again. And that is, there's three steps to a journey. One is you got to let it hurt. Then yep. you let it heal. Mm-hmm. And then you let it go. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we realize we don't recognize that it's a process. And you're talking about different steps to that process as well. We've got to acknowledge the hurt. And you said acknowledge the hurt, face the shame, accept that this is what happened. And then you're uh, then you're the acceptance part is kind of that healing part, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. It is. it and really then is. are we getting to let it go? Because you talk about redemption. We're going to the let it go part, aren't we? Yes, we yeah, are. so you talk about yeah. forgiveness. Who do we have to forgive? Well, ourselves. I've learned just recently, and this is so interesting, that forgiveness is not about between myself and someone else. Forgiveness is about going to the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive me for having that attitude. Mm-hmm. Because then the Lord can start working relationship. And, and you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because God has laid it on my heart that, you know what, I'm really not capable of forgiving. No. No, the only, I don't forgive. God forgives. I have to mm-hmm. ask him for his help to forgive. Absolutely. You know? Because once, once he sees that your heart is in a forgiveness mode, if you will, he's ready to work. He can go, okay, you've stepped out of the way. Years ago, years ago, the Lord said to me, Kate, Get out of my way. I'm coming for your husband. 
Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, okay. And he said, no, seriously, Kay, stop telling your husband how to be a Christian. I will work on that. Mm-hmm. And so the minute I released my husband, he did. He started working on it, and it was an amazing transformation. Much like forgiveness is. Once I say to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this forgiveness thing. Forgive me for not forgiving, I guess is right. you know basically what it is. But take that unforgiveness out of my heart, and then he can start working. Yeah, absolutely. And then I love the word receive. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't receive enough. We need to receive God's presence. We need to receive His healing, and to get to that place um, is obviously forgiveness. But then you talk about grace. Talk about grace a little bit. Well, you know how when you um, okay, Lord, I'm going to give this to you, and you're going to heal me, and I, everything will be wonderful. Okay, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. You're going to heal me and everything will be wonderful. Okay, Lord, I'm going to give it again to you. Mm. You know, I call it being an Indian giver. This pun intended, but we we give it. We give it. I have actually in the book I have, I talk about giving it and taking it. We give it and then we take it back. We give it, we take it back. We give it, we take it back. But that's, we have to surrender, right? We have to surrender. And I think that grace is how we surrender. I think that has, I think those kind of walk together, you know, we, grace is something that the Lord gives us because of who we are. I mean, he, he obviously realizes our human nature is to be sinful. And yet we have that grace. And and to me, grace is one of the most beautiful words because it's, it's like, it's like the Lord reaches out and he takes a hold of us. And brings us close into his heart, so close that we can hear his heart beat. Mm-hmm. That's grace to me. I love that picture. Mm-hmm. I want to hear Jesus' heart beat. See, now you got me ranting, rambling. I'm I'm going somewhere, okay? <laughs> but no, but I love that picture. Yeah. I love yeah. that picture because you know we need those pictures, Kay. I loved your picture of the what you talked about in the in the playground and the p- picture of of your parents holding the baby. Though we need those pictures to get us to this point of redemption which you just talk about after grace. Redemption. Redemption wins. I want to see redemption win. I have seen it happen in my life and this is why I get passion. This is why I say, "Hey folks, you got to notice God's redeeming you." Take, take notice. So tell me a little bit about the redemption portion of this journey. Well, redemption to me is that peace that passes all understanding. I don't, I can't redeem myself. The Lord is the one who, you know, you, you, you're trading in all your shame, your sin, your junk, and he's redeeming back a life of peace and settlement in your heart. That's redemption to me. And I love that you talk about that. You say one woman's post-aborting journey to a settled heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is is this is this is what you're describing is that settledness. That mm-hmm. settledness that doesn't go gangbusters when you hear the word abortion. Now if somebody came to you and talked about abortion right now, 
would that trigger you now in the same way it did years ago before you were healed? No. No, because it's not, it's not who I am anymore. You know, it is what I did. And, and now my journey is to, my mission and passion is to come up alongside women who have gone through this. It's not just about a book. It's about getting out there and being with them. That's what it's about. So how can people use this book? You know, you talk about it being a work, workbook. What's your vision for like how, like it, do you see it as wor- really working well in a small group setting or just like one-on-one in a lay counseling setting? Because I do use certain books like when I lay counsel. I think that it can be put on any platform. I, 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 what I, my desire and I don't, I kind of think the Lord has me going in that direction because the other day he gave me my entire presentation, including the very beginning when I'd walk out on stage, it was like, I'm not even, I'm not even close to that Lord. And he's, yes, you are. This is what I want you to do. But I want to go to the churches, area churches, local churches, um, national church. It doesn't matter. I'll go anywhere to bring this message. Um, And I, and I want to be able to speak to the women Help them get started if they want to do a small group. Help them get started locally here in small groups. See, it's not as easy as bringing uh, Francis Chan Bible study to your church. No, no. Because not very many women are going to stand up in a church setting and go, I had an abortion, I want to go to your class. Mm-hmm. So uh, a one-on-one, yes, I will do that. You know, but I think that the best part is having a supportive group where you can hear everybody's story and you can walk this journey together. Mm-hmm. But the toughest part is going to be getting the small groups, getting the churches to start working with those that mm-hmm. population. Well, I know our church here in Lansing, I have a friend of mine who actually I had on the podcast earlier um, last year. She is does this study called surrendering the secret and it is about it is a, a post-abortion journey too and it's mm-hmm. and and i'm gl- here's what i'm glad about i'm glad that we're bringing it up in the mm-hmm. churches i'm mm-hmm. glad that we're talking about it <clears throat> because i'm in i i work at msu i'm in msu land and of course larry Na- the whole thing with larry nassar brought up this whole thing of the sexual molestation and and all that. And so people are talking about that more. We need mm-hmm. to talk about these things because, see, if you don't acknowledge it, like you ma- mentioned as part of the process, if you don't know and acknowledge what you need to be healed from, how can you be healed? My favorite, you know, John 5, you know, the big story about the guy going to the to the pool and he yeah. goes to the pool and he you know, he's been doing this for years and nothing ever happens. And Jesus came right out and looked at him and said, do you want to be healed? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just saying to, there are people out there who have resources. Kay has written this book as a resource to help you heal. God wants you to be healed, whether it's from abortion or whether it's from sexual abuse or any gambit of things that we feel shameful for, or even just being unjustly punished. Maybe you were unjustly punished when you were a child or something. You have to get over those things. So what is the best way people can get a hold of your book? 
Well, it's on several different platforms. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's a Kindle book. They can also go to my website, khallministries.com, and the Westboat Press. So there's quite a few places that they can they can get that from. And I encourage anybody out there who is wants to struggle with this. Now, I, I would encourage them also, and wouldn't you, Kay, that don't go through the journey alone. No. <laughs> and to talk about it out loud is part of the healing. Yes, it is. So you can't just say, okay, well, you know, do it in the, I'm not saying it, well, it's not helpful in the comfort of your home with you and God. God can do a mighty thing. But it's mm-hmm. more impactful when you are in a small group or you're sharing it with somebody because you can talk out loud. Because you've got to, in order to let it go, you've got to acknowledge that it happened. Yeah. Start the start the process. And I think that they can get through on their own um, with the book because it is a journal book. There's questions in there. There's prayer in there and scripture and a place for you to journal through. But it's always encouraging when you are in and amongst others who have experienced it. Yeah, because you know what? You're not alone. You're not the no. only one who's who has this has happened to or you have chosen to do something. You're not alone. You know, no. but I love, I got to talk about this verse because this is one of my favorite verses. And I actually wrote a song about this because I is so impactful. It's Psalms 34, 4, and 5. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. This is the next part. This is the good part. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Mm. Radiant. Mm-hmm. Radiant. You know, when you see the healing in somebody's life, you do mm-hmm. see that radiance. You see mm-hmm. that peacefulness and there's like a calmness and a settledness, as you describe in your book, a settledness that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're, that's the hope, right? That's where we're going, yeah. that yeah. your faces are not covered with shame, that you are radiant. And, right. and I, don't, I don't use that word very much, that word radiant. That's but when, a beautiful when, word. When, when, when this first came to light for me, I thought, radiance. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's being a piece of the master. That's being radiant. We're reflecting a part of God, reflecting a certain part of God. So if there's somebody out there, okay, there's somebody out there today who's listening to this. I don't know who you are, but what would you, what would you want to tell them? Well, we've spoken a lot. We've said a lot of things. I've given you some of my story. And you're not alone. And everybody, everybody can have a peaceful and settled heart. This isn't this isn't just for certain people. It isn't just for people who um, write books or become chaplains or who are ministers or who are reading the Bible every minute of the day. It's only a moment. And then your life changes forever. So step out. Uh, It's scary, but it's time. You never get over this 
but you do get through it to a point of redemption. That's what I would say. Mm. That's what I would say. And, you know, I, I can see that I'm, I'm, we're doing this over Zoom, Kay. That I can see, I can see the radiance on your face. I can oh. see it. I can see it. Oh. A redeemed heart is mm. beautiful. It is. And it shows through. It shows mm. through people. It's just, mm. it's just a beautiful thing. For those who are out there, I hope that you'll take the time to pray about this and, and maybe grab the book and, and see if this is going to be a helpful tool for you. Okay, I want to thank you for being here today. Mm. I want to thank you for being brave enough to share your story, thank for you. having the heart to help women out there who have experienced this, who know, and, and that there's, an, there's another side to this. You know, there is another side. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you, through this book and your ministry. So, folks, please just take a look at her website, K Hall Ministries. Um, she's got a beautiful heart and is really trying to, to uh, reach people for God. So thank you, Kay, for being here. And to our listeners, I hope and pray that I'm going to see the radiance coming from your face, too. Absolutely. Amen. Next time on The Notice, do you compare yourself? Do you constantly glance sideways asking, how do I measure up? Your enemy loves to use this measure up comparison against you, but Jesus invites you to exchange this measure up fear and get ahead pride for freedom. So listen in as I welcome Shannon Popkin, author of her new book, Comparison Girl as she shares what she's learned about her own comparison struggles. Listen in as we learn from Jesus about me free living in a measure of world. Until next time, take notice.